0: Have you thought about, like, maybe a kid would be, like, kind of a drag? The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A.
1: I went down the craziest rabbit trail recently because I've been not sleeping, which, well, because I've been wake up at four o'clock in the morning and it's dark and I'm just like, can't function. So I just, sometimes I get sucked in these rabbit holes on the internet. <laughs> I'm in my 80th YouTube video. No, no. I was reading like sci- scientific <laughs> journals and stuff. And I don't know how I got onto this, but I, I started thinking about the, my biggest regret during COVID, personally, mm. was I had to get this surgery. It was, like, fairly minor, I guess, but not really. Like, I couldn't really go. Like, if I didn't do it, thing it would just, things would be worse. So, I was like, okay. It was just the height of the freaking pandemic, you know, just out. Everything was... Just, out of control. They're putting up those like tents everywhere. They were, they shut that a grocery store and turned it into a vaccine clinic. It's it, I've never seen anyone in it. Like, I mean, just, they did all the theater. So they were like, okay, we schedule the surgery, but you have to get tested for COVID. I was like, but I don't want to do that. I fought it. There was no way around. I mean, I tried for days to like figure out the this. money. They would not let me do it. So I go and I get this freaking test and, I had also recently had, not recently, recently, but not too far in the past, had had a surgery that takes a long-ass time to recover from, a facial surgery, in my nasal sinuses, everything, you know, like, really intense. And even once you're done and you're supposedly, like, 100%, you're not 100% for, it. trust me, it takes a long time. And they're going to shove this thing, like, way up your nose. And part of the risk of doing the surgery is that there's, like, very very thin membranes up there and one of the problems is that like they tell you if you taste any like flavors during at, at your recovery of the surgery like anything sweet like for no reason you need to go to the emergency room immediately your spinal fluid is leaking into your mouth like that's so oh that's they disturbing. have to try really hard not to have that happen and there's not a lot <sighs> of room for error so I'm like okay so I go get this test, and it's like this nine ten inch Q tip with spikes on the end of it, not soft spikes. I'm sure if anyone got that version of the, now they like For don't the even COVID put it in test? your nose. The original one, yeah. The and there one were that all these conspiracies. There were yeah, there was all these conspiracies at the time. Who knows which ones were true, which ones were false? But apparently, from what I heard, one of the things I heard was that contraption was invented to deposit things into the nasal passageway, not to extract things from the nasal passageway. Like that's what it was made for. I don't know. And then it was, I also heard it was treated with stuff that like should not be in your brain like that. And then I come across the other day, like just accidentally this whole article talking about it's, it would be really cool if we could somehow figure out how to get past the blood brain barrier with medications. Because there's some medications that you want in the brain, apparently. This is what they say for like Alzheimer's. We can itself. already
0: do that. Well, I mean, we know things pass through the blood-brain barrier. So that's exactly. interesting that they would be like, we need to figure this out.
1: I don't know how old this article was, but it's the formatting made it look fairly recent. But they said uh, one of the methods, they didn't mention, I tried to find, I couldn't find what device they wanted to use to do this. But this whole article was about going in through the nose in order to bypass the blood-brain barrier. And oddly, I stumbled across this while I was looking into aluminum and whatnot, like aluminum is in the soil and all that stuff. So I don't, there's mm. some there's some interesting Throwback link. back to our last that episode. Was, yeah. And I wish I could remember like the series of clicks that I did to actually go from like deep diving onto a, a soil and aluminum and like somehow this article, because I was mostly just going to references In articles and going to new articles that were referenced in, you know what I mean? And I just ended up at this like, Mm. we could pass the blood-brain barrier by going in through your nose and messing around up there. And I was like, huh? That's not good. Anyway, that's my biggest regret. And it was terrible. It was like- having that surgery and
0: taking that test.
1: That test. It goes so far. up. That Um. first test they did, which they don't use anymore, I cannot emphasize that enough.
0: Yeah, they don't. It is interesting. Wonder what happened about that.
1: Exactly. But it makes you like like they hit your tear ducts or something. Like you it it you goes like... up there, yeah. Did but you But I that? remember I had so I didn't do that for COVID. I remember
0: this was like years ago. I had one of those sorts of tests when they thought I had the flu when I went to like an the clinic. They did one
1: of those like way up the nose. Yeah. Scrapes
0: and I thought that was weird. Because I'd never had one of those tests, but I didn't think anything about it. But no, I remember I had the opposite experience. I remember being sick, thinking I had COVID, going to the emergency room, because that's where you had to go to, like, find out if you had COVID. And uh, them being like, well, we're not going to give you tests. We actually won't test you. Like, they were very, you know, weird about the testing because they were was like, this we during during have... Yeah, this was like early because they didn't have enough tests. They were like, we only have so many tests. Like, unless you think you're going to die, we're not going to test you. And That's really so, really interesting. You know, saving grace, did, you know, they I wonder where me.
1: you went. Where did you go? Was it North a private? Side. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. See, this, but that was this, a wild
0: experience because no one was there in the emergency room. It was so eerie because you hear all these, no, the lights out, like, in the building. I got,
1: yeah. Where I got my surgery, it was this big building the lights in this place were like not even on. Like I thought it was closed. Like I was at the wrong place. And I walked yeah. through an empty building. There was one desk with a light and oh someone there. God. And I'm like, am so I theory. at the right place? Like what is, I felt like I was in the back rooms of like reality. I'm like, what is this? And they are like, yeah, you just go upstairs. And I was like, "Uh, okay. Not, literally no lights were on in this place. It was the weirdest experience And no one, like same, no one was there. It was just like me, (laughs) a surgeon and an anesthesiologist. And then they pump you full of drugs and you don't know what the hell's going on anymore. So, yeah, that was really weird. And here's the other thing. People forget that this Mm -hmm. happened. And this is like very well documented from what I remember. It was not, it was like too prolific to be like covered up. But people were going to these lines like I was in. This one I was in, they made it so where you couldn't do this. And I figured out how they did it. It was pretty interesting. They, You were in this huge line in your car. You didn't even get out of your car. It looked like a sci-fi mm-hmm. movie or something, you know, like tents and fans and all sorts of stuff everywhere. Mist is going. I'm like, what? What's happening? And in the line, there's someone giving you papers. And then later you like show that paper further down the line. Then you give the paper. Then you get something else back. You know, there's like all these methods. And I think that was to stop this phenomenon from happening, which was happening, where people were going into these lines for either the same similar reason that I was. Like, I'm doing this other thing and they're making me do this test. I don't really want this test. Like, I'm not here because I want to know if I have COVID basically. Mm -hmm. So they would get there. They'd wait like two hours and they're like, I'm leaving. Like, I'm not doing this. This It's ridiculous. So they would leave and then the hospital would call them and say, you have COVID. Or we process your test and you don't have COVID. And then they would be like, But I left like you did not test me. And then I heard, boy, I wonder if I can still find this story. There was another.
0: No, I remember this. There was like these testing windows were so long. It was like 72 hours or something, which at that point you've already left and contacted all these people. Yeah. And they
1: were they were doing fraud. And then they were they were offering certain people. I don't remember what the money was for, but they were they offered people quite a bit of money. To do something, I don't know. I, I there was no, it's no way they were like just keep your mouth shut. We'll pay you, but they were offering them some amount of money. But that makes sense that they would do that because what they were doing was also a quid pro quo, which was if you remember, if you got put on a ventilator, the government gave you a gajillion dollars or like. Well, that's what I was if saying. If you got if you got put on a ventilator and you. had a COVID test, you got thirty thousand dollars per test basically just to put these people on medications and treatments they don't need. So well, it was a bad time for
0: hospitals because I mean, they were losing money left and right. Like you're saying you're going in there, all the lights are off, like there's no way these things are able to stay open. Certain so, hospitals because you
1: got to think about how they're making their money. It's not simple. Exactly. So I had this private doctor that was high level, you know, a high level specialist. He had his own place, but he. But when those guys do their surgeries, I've every both surgeries I've ever had the same case, they have their practice. They're totally independent, but when they need a surgery room and all the materials and everything, they don't own that building, so they gotta they go to this other building. Well, that building is owned by the the major in our state. Like let's just face it, like Northside. Whatever that is, runs this whole state. Like they buy up everything. They buy all the hospitals, all the little dock in the box. It's, yeah. it's either Emory or Northside, and they're all together. So that I think is a place where they were losing a ton of money. But they were, they haven't oh, been yeah. making it up on this stuff because, because that, you know, I mean, a surgery is expensive. What I find interesting is that, well, actually, never mind that. Well, so anyway,
0: I mean, I had the weirdest experience. The last thing I'll say is this like, weird anecdote. I had this weird experience during the pandemic where I was interviewing for companies. This is like later in the pandemic, and I was interviewing for this startup that was essentially doing like shift matching, kind of like Uber for nurses. So like Uber drivers can you know see the rides available, and then they pick the rides and they get paid you know, on a ride per ride basis. And it worked the same way, but for nurses, for hospitals. So nurses could see, like, staffing shifts at hospitals and then just pick them up, and then they would go and get paid for that shift. And um, they were saying... they paid a lot
1: more than they would at their regular nine-to-five nursing jobs, too.
0: Exactly, because you're, you know, immediate, higher contract labor. So, But the downside is that you don't get benefits and whatnot, and... So anyway, so, and it also kind of sucks for the hospitals because you don't, like, part of the thing of, like, running a hospital wing is, like, you want the nurses to be there because, like, one, that's better patient care, but also, like, because it's easier to manage, like, what's going on and who knows what patients have what. And, like, if nurses are just, like, showing up randomly, like, at different yeah. hospitals, that kind of, like, destroys all of that. So anyway, it's not, protocols. like. Yeah, a great thing. And then, like, you may be, like, you know, there's a chronic patient in there. Or, like, someone was admitted five days ago, and now you're their new nurse. You don't know why they're there. You know, so, like, it, obviously there's problems with that. But anyway, I was, like, interviewing for this job, and their whole thing was, like, their mission was, like, we're, you know, creating economic opportunity for these nurses because they were getting paid more. And that was the whole, you know, point. And so they gave me this case study or whatever for the company. To get, they gave me some of their internal data, actually, to analyze and, like, they wanted to, me to produce a pricing strategy, like how should we better price this so that, you know, we would uh, eliminate – essentially they wanted to eliminate uh, non-filled shifts. So there's like these shifts, you know, like rides that wouldn't get picked up on Uber, like the same thing. Like a hospital posts a shift, no nurse picks it up. So they were like, how could we adjust the pricing so that that doesn't happen? And so I did all this looking into their data, and I did some research, and I basically came to the conclusion that I was like – the problem, you think the solution is pricing but that's not even the problem. The problem is that there's just not enough nurses like there's not enough nurses to fill the shifts. We have a nurse shortage across the country and um, so that's what I wrote back to them and it was just so wild because I got this email I had had two or one or I had an interview with a HR screener and then an interview with the hiring manager and they both went really well. We've all really got along I'd already done one case study and then I sent this back and I said, hey I think, your business model that you think is about like economic opportunity and pricing. I was like, I really think the problem here is that there's not enough nurses and we need to train more people to be in this career field and whatnot. And uh, they just sent me an email back that said uh, very ominously, they were like, I'm sorry, but we cannot move forward in the hiring process anymore with you. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was just, it was very weird. It was very weird. And uh, I still think
1: about that because I was like, we're looking for a yes man.
0: Yeah, essentially, what was happening was that these nurses were kind of taking advantage of the system. Like, and you almost, you almost feel like, oh, it's a good thing because the nurse is like, that's labor, you know, and labor's getting their due finally. And you're from you're the empowering labor. Yeah. Yeah. But what was happening was that hospitals are like not very profitable operations. Like, it's very expensive sure to that? run a hospital. Yeah. Well, the hospitals. So I think the pharmaceutical industry. they charge you like
1: $55 for one Benadryl pill. And yes, like but that's all going to the
0: insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies. The hospitals have to eat those costs. And so it's really difficult to run a hospital is what I learned and all this is like, and so labor costs had already been rising, going up to the pandemic. and then the pandemic, it was just a huge disaster because all of a sudden all your revenues are going down because you're not seeing as many patients. And then the labor costs were rising because all of these like nurses were doing this kind of thing where suddenly they're like, oh, I'm going to get paid more. And I just thought, you know, because my whole thing was like, well, you think like this started was like, we're helping nurses. We're solving a problem. You know, it's like so good. We're mission driven. And I was like, I think you may be facilitating like uh, the crash of the U.S. healthcare system, like because you're making these hospitals like less functional. (laughs) It's just like it's like a labor. It's it's like a labor
1: union strike without a labor union. Like basically kind of. Yeah. Like a bunch of people demanding more money and not showing up to work where there isn't more money. You know, I mean, putting real pressure on these. I wish we had someone, we need to find someone who's like an insurance expert like in the industry, but also thinks it's all a bunch of big, like a big scam. Because the insurance system is so stupid. It mm-hmm. It is, our the way we do it is so backwards and it's like so much that I feel like we do here. It's like, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff, but like it seems to me in America, like we do have like, if I say like, again, just shoot, just turn the podcast off. Uh, we do have this, (laughs) I mean, I'm so tired of it. Um, I take out so many likes in the editing process. It's ridiculous. Anyway, we have so, it seems like we have very good, a really robust, like, I don't even know what the right word is. Like, powerful uh i know i said it like five times um just spit it out what are you saying economic ideas or something you know like solutions to problems especially in like the service world or something so like Mm -hmm. insurance is a good idea is a good idea it's like a good social program that's not a social program because Sure. You, yeah. Catastrophe you know what I mean? Insurance. Like ca- catastrophic yeah. insurance. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's how it should be. That's like the only way it should be. And I, it's such a complicated industry that I, it's easier to talk about like an, a similar industry, which would be higher education. And why does higher education cost more than like brain surgery? Well, because of the same system, basically. It's basically like we have insurance for going to school by having all of these different programs that jack the price up to where, you know, you can make these weird decisions. People have pointed this out so much. I'm like, that's why I'm saying it so slowly because I'm like, is this even worth making this point? But like so you can get you can they'll say you can come to school basically for free and you can do whatever uh underwater basket weaving degree. mm and there's so some what's
0: issue. your connection to?
1: Whatever the function is that's causing that pricing to be so out of whack is the same. It's like a very similar phenomenon to the insurance model. And I think another similarity that maybe is less often noticed is this thing where for a minute there, I know nowadays we talk about like you don't have to go to college, but that's a new <laughs> discussion people are having. It used to basically be like, You have cancer and you have to get cured or you'll die from cancer. It's like you want a job that pays well. You have to go to college. You can't even get hired if you don't go to college, which was like a sign of a different economy. It seems like that's more when economies are booming and uh, employment is high, maybe. It's a little more competition for a job. I don't know.
0: Well, maybe the connection is just the moral hazard. I mean, the problem, big problem with insurance, like economists study is moral hazard is that you suddenly in the insurance market have incentive for uh, bad things to happen, which is not good. Like in not in all insurance, but in some more so than others. Um, But so one way it is in, it happens in different ways, but one is like you could have life insurance on someone and then all of a sudden there's a weird moral incentive for someone to die And so you know that's. I think this is. But then you also have moral hazard on the like consumer side, where like I should be taking care of my health if I have health if I don't have health insurance. But then I have health insurance, and then maybe I don't take care of my health because I know that it's going to be taken care of by the hospital or whatever, or like I don't do it. I'm I'm not as safe, or I'm not as precautious with certain things, and so I think, uh, yeah, the education system is kind of rife with similar-ish problems like i feel like there's lots of moral hazard there where people you know instead of learning skills like they're like well i'm gonna have this certificate that like just admits me into a job that's how that's how
1: the college treats it as well exactly you know like they're they're not trying to they don't like i went to school for a long time i got two degrees and i'm not an expert and like i should i should know a lot more i should be or whatever you know what I mean? I, that's a stupid way of putting it, but like I should be I know more than anyone that didn't take those degrees, but I don't know uh, as much as I could or should know because that wasn't really the idea the idea was like get the degree and then get another one but I think my point mm-hmm. is is like the hazard that I see is that like the negotiations perhaps is the problem so the problem is that you can. Go to the hospital and go broke in one day. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's yeah. it's so quick. Like it, the done. bills rack up so fast, bankrupt. And like you were saying, like the pharmaceutical companies, or the insurance companies get these price negotiations, and that sets the price. It 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 puts pressure on the price to go up, and mm-hmm. then it's mm-hmm. it, I I'm going to call it. It's not the right economic term, but it sets the price high. Well, there's a third party
0: that I feel like it gets muddied because you're not negotiating directly with a provider of the exactly. service, like the seller. same thing with the school provider. system. Same yeah. thing with the
1: school system. You get grants and all this different stuff. And that's this third party, the government in this case, saying, we'll catch some of this bill. And it goes, oh, well, then everybody can go to the doctor. Or, I mean, everybody can go to college then. And that right, right. sets, then you, again, they have more price setting power and a lot of these places will tell you, these school people like that are not the administrators will tell you that all the money goes to the administrators.
0: Right, of course. So they, they get they do. more I mean, and more and more and more money, more but nobody's making more money. Yeah, no one's
1: making more money. You're not getting better professors. None of that's happening. Because the football coach has got to make seventy trillion dollars a year and all the useless administrators who, whenever you find an administrator, even like the uh what is that person called your advisor? I've never seen a more cushy looking job. Oh, they were God. never, she was never busy. Never. She was always chatting and eating candies yeah. in a dish. I loved her. She was amazing. But I'm like, how do I get, what degree do I need to complete to get your oh job? Because I want to no, sit in exactly. this office all day and spin around in my chair and talk okay. to interesting professors that all love me, you know, I mean, it was just so
0: angry, like screw those people. I hate administrators. Like I look back at MSU, the college that I went to Michigan State, and there are some great people there. I don't want to bash everyone. But that school is effed. Like they have fired some of the most competent people that that school had. And just so like you can just see the writing on the wall. Like to me, it's so obvious what's going on. Where they had this, they literally fired the dean of the college of business because, um, and he was I feel really like your good. State, was,
1: your college was Deep State for sure. Like there was something weird uh, it's about deep your state, college. Dude. Yes, yeah.
0: Well, because Oops. it's all all these colleges are run if you're a public institution by like boards, and the boards are like these like quasi elected officials. Like they're actually elected like by people in the state. So you like the got, the regents or whatever they're called like get elected by people in Michigan. Anyway, so it's a weird thing. So they're like politicians who are running the university. And what happened was that the board asked the president of the university, this guy Stanley, who had used to have been a CEO, I think. And he, so we had this old, like, president, Luana K. Simon or whatever I think her name was. And she, we had the whole Larry Nasser scandal where this was the Olympic coach who was, uh, Is it abusing, the guy? Yeah, yeah, abusing the Olympic girls on the US team, gymnastics team. Oh, yeah, that was that's MSU, right. and he was like the head of our school of osteopathy or whatever. And um, it had gone on for years, and there was Wait, like, all was? these images. The Larry coach? Nasser, yeah, the the abuser, rapey coach.
1: So he was a coach and the head of a college. Yeah,
0: he was he worked at MSU like as a head of a college or whatever. Oh wow. It was wild. And so So he's an expert in gymnastics
1: and in osteopathic surgery. Well that's why
0: he was there. He was like the team doctor and so he was like an esteemed research doctor at a hospital at the university. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. So there were lots of girls abuse at MSU as well, because he oversaw like the university. So there were lots of kids around him all the time. And he abused not just the Olympic girls, but lots of people at MSU. And there was actually this huge lawsuit where all these girls who came to MSU, like won like $500 million or something because of, you know, and the the university paid it out. The university, not Larry Nassar. This was the craziest part. So like, All of your tuition dollars go to fund the university, and the university paid five hundred million dollars to these victims of a sexual predator that the university had hired. It was it was a terrible situation. It did not make any sense. This all happened while I was a student there. Anyway, so. That was a whole terrible situation. Luanna Kay was the president at the time. She had to go because of all this. They were like, You cannot be the president anymore. This all happened under your watch, supposedly. So she left, Larry Nasser left, and then Larry Nasser's boss, I think, or maybe the guy who worked with him, one of his colleagues was also really effed up and like had a bunch of child porn on his computer and I can so he had to go to not believe
1: too. how often this happens. Like of course. <laughs> the I just was listening to some podcast about the lady that were they were interviewing was kind of talking about Scientology and some Satan sect or something I don't know and Mormons whatever, but they, was, they draw this connection and we're like like the Boy Scouts of America I think was one they used and as as an example and it's the same it's like the same system every time where it's facilitated in the same way, and it's basically like you can be a non-molester and have molesters in your organization, and then you find out because you're the head of the organization somewhere along the lines. This information is going to make it to you probably first, and then even though you're not a molester, you don't do anything about it. And yeah, I, cannot, I don't know. It's, what I, there's happened. I can't. There's it's so weird because it's like it's so hard to put yourself in that situation. See, that's a, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Like how much was told to Luana Kay? How much did she know? The reason she had to go was because they were saying that complaints had been filed and that she yeah. knew that complaints had been filed. But I understand like where you're like I could see Maybe how other, it could go down where yeah. you really wouldn't know. You're like, well complaints get filed all the time by Maybe students. Being like the we head, don't investigate all of yeah. them.
1: Maybe being the head is not the most powerful position. You know what I mean? It's like the uh, like in our government you, well, the president okay, comes yes, in yes. every couple of years, you know, every four years. But then you have these guys who've been these unelected, the deep state, literally, deep, yeah. state literally, the deep state. Like they're the people that are you don't, you know one, you don't get voted for those positions. You just get appointed, and then you're there, and then you become a technician, a technical expert, in whatever it is that you do. And then some new president comes in, and you, he doesn't, he hasn't been. Spending twenty years figuring out how to conquer the Middle East or do whatever thing that they're trying to do, so you just do what that guy says. And if you get a little fishy and you go, I don't know, this does I I hear you, you've been there this whole time, but something seems wrong here. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. And then you get you catch uh, the worst case of suicide you ever seen, and you get two bullets in the back of the head. Oh my god! You know, yeah. and it's like that's no. so maybe that's just how it works. You you can have these people, so you have a coach, and maybe that makes sense. I mean, the coach. Probably of most, I mean, I'm from the southeast, so most SEC schools. I'm pretty sure the football coach makes a lot more than the oh, of course, president yeah. of the college. It probably makes more than the top twenty paid people at the college combined. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, that's the end of the story. So the
0: all of that went down. They you know said Lou K had to go, and then they got this new president, um, President Stanley, who had been the CEO, and then what had happened more recently was that there was like allegations of sexual misconduct in the school of business that the head of the business school did not report. Yeah, and so what I think had actually happened was that there was some dancing and drinking and a party and some, you know, like,
1: you know, something had happened with a
0: student and, and it should have been reported like to... It got weird. It was like administrative, and it should have been reported by the dean. But the dean thought that he, like the, whoever it was between, and like whoever witnessed it, should have reported it, and that should have been enough. And then the college, like administrators, were like, "Well, no, you actually need to report it or something." And um, so anyway, so the the board, like all this, came to light, and the board put all this pressure on President Stanley, and they were like, "President Stanley, you need to fire Dean Gupta, like." And it was just very weird because Dean Gupta was like, uh, Dean Gupta thought he had followed policy, and then he said, "I'm sorry, like I didn't understand what the rules were. I thought it had been reported as it was supposed to be, which I think it was reported, and so he just didn't additionally report it." And so he was somebody like, I just understand.
1: wanted somebody wanted him out that has power. Exactly. Shit. So they probably they probably been sitting on that on that case going. Let's not. Let's keep this for later, you know, in case we need to do something and get rid of somebody. You know, then you oh just my God, maybe you'd I be mean, like the whole thing of like that. an op,
0: yeah. And so anyway, so then the the whole thing went down because President Stanley was like. I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to micromanage people in the university in that way. That's ridiculous. That's unrealistic. And he's like, and also, this is the thing that we're talking about. The Like, if it's really that big of a deal, like, that this thing happened and it wasn't reported. He's like, well, it was reported. It just wasn't reported by the right people. We didn't follow protocol. And he's like, but that's OK. You know, like, people don't – people learn. Sometimes they mess up. And uh, so anyways – The board made President Stanley resign and uh, President Dean Gupta, I think, had to get out of there too. And it was so crazy because all these professors like in the College of Business wrote this letter. This is how insane it was that like half of the College of Business wrote a letter supporting and signed it, like supporting Dean Gupta. They were like, he should not be under all this scrutiny. He should not be forced to resign or be removed. It was so sad. And some of the best professors at the university signed that letter. Like some of the most qualified professors, like literally like professors like the university really, really wants to keep, because it's like that's what's carrying your university's like prestige, is like having these people around. And those were the people who were like, uh, you should not be getting this person out of here. We like them. They've done a lot of good things for business school. And the business school operates a little different too. Like, I think a lot of the university gets entrenched in like, grants and, like, bullshit and whatnot. But the business school is, like, often run by, like, executives and people who've had careers before. So they, like, really do, I think, try to help students, like, understand what is it that you're going to be doing in a job, like, in a career, and, like, how can we prepare students to actually get jobs and, like, have the skills that companies want them to have. And so I don't know. I don't feel like it's as, like, bought and sold you I mean I think the perception may be otherwise but I think in the actual day to day like these people really do want you to like be
1: able to go out and like start a business or whatever so anyway the whole yeah, thing sometimes yeah I mean and, the professors a lot of times because a lot of those people probably are tangentially probably professors yeah you want yeah. those guys in there I mean and all the prof- a lot of the professors that I had except for one there's always going to be that one lady who I always would be really skeptical of like but other than her they all seemed really great. You know what I mean? Like they might've been confused. Even the one that said, we're not going to talk about consciousness in in regards to the development of AI. (laughs) I think that was literally just... Iconic. I I think, well, she was an ethicist. So... Oh. You know, she probably had to get educated on AI stuff to do the AI stuff. You know, like she, it it wasn't her field of Mm. study necessarily, I don't think. Still kind of odd though. But there, I did have the one professor, the only professor I think was like, either like, how did you get this job or what's wrong with you? Kind of was the, what was, I wonder what her specialty was. I think she was an ethicist or whatever they call those, an ethics. That's good. The irony of that. <laughs>
0: I'm an ethicist. What's wrong with this lady? She's messed up.
1: Well, she, the, when the, it hit me hardest when, I did her whole class on Zoom because, you know, germs. And um the time we ended the class by watching Greta Thunberg, I was like, hmm. what am I? You are literally like bald faced, completely obvious brainwashed. Like, nobody yeah. thinks because she's not Greta Thunberg is not a scientist. She is an autistic okay. child who was 13 she's a child, at the time. Yes. And so we had to watch this whole rant from her on on a – I mean, it was like, I would not be surprised if Greta Thunberg and whatever she was connected with, would, like, I would not be surprised if they would actually gladly admit that what they are engaging in is propaganda. Like, it is just to change minds and policy. Like, that's what she was doing. So, like, she's a propagandist working right. for propagandists. And this is part of my – Education. education and she, yeah, and she was like, "I just love that because it's so powerful and so." I'm like, "Dude, how did you?"
0: Right, it's all feeling. You, it's like I just love it because it's so powerful. It makes me feel good, and
1: it was yeah, so strange, like, so
0: not belonging in the university. But that was the point I was gonna make. It's like, and this is gonna sound offensive to some people, so you could just turn this off good. right here. But I mean, you just see, like, I don't know, the college is kind of being colonized by these like woke, hypersensitive. Women, white liberal women. Yes, it's and white liberal women. Like that's the college. So the interim dean for the college of business and now is this white woman. And I was like, we had this awesome exactly. Indian man, and he, everybody loved him. I loved him. Like I met this guy, he was awesome. And now we have you, and no one. likes I get it, along okay? get better out of here. with women. I love sure. men too.
1: When I meet a man, don't that hate I, all women. <laughs> if I meet when I meet a man that I can get that I can get along with, and I and I enjoy to be around. I, uh, I, you know, I hold them in high esteem. Like I really like them, but mm. but I can I get along with women really well, and it's probably my personality. I'm a little womany. Probably you saw my personality test: More volatile, in neurotic, crazy, Maybe. yeah, yeah, artistic. So, but there is something. Well, we talked about this. Like there's, and they're all getting rid. Of, well, the other thing is they're getting rid of the, the white universe. men. So yeah. Dr. Campbell, who's been on the Joe Rogan podcast, who's a big guy, he, I've never heard the story, psychologist, world famous, I mean, narcissism, yeah, a narcissist who studies a narcissism fantastic, <laughs> literally, <laughs> but he's a great narcissist, he's nice, but, um, and he would admit it, but he, I never heard the story, but I remember when he told me, actually when he told me, he was just chatting it up with the, uh advisor and i had to just sit there and listen which i was glad to do we got into like uh pizzagate and everything it was fantastic but he the story the little blip of a story i got was yeah he used to be the dean
0: he wasn't the dean anymore yeah
1: yeah and it was like why like of he's famous psychology. he's really good researcher i mean it just it didn't make any sense and i got the impression that like that's a story for another time, and then uh, by the end of the semester, or the, by the by the in, onset of COVID, which I think I was in his class, it was like we're not going to be doing this anymore. I guess, guys, bye. By, uh, but he, I said, so "Well, there's a lot more time to talk <laughs> to him at the end because there was no one was showing up anymore." And he um, he had become totally cynical. He didn't yeah. even want to be there anymore. He was like, "Well, I'm the talk- lowdown." And it was because of what you're saying, though. You know right. what I mean? It was Not, he wasn't P- like it's P- all I. these white women, but it was like things are just changing, you know, in a way that makes really good professors, if especially right. if you're a white male professor, get. I don't, I don't even know if it was by by the end it was by choice, but in the beginning it was just like squeezing, 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 squeezing until he just popped out on the other side and was like, yeah, I guess that's part of my life is over, <laughs> you know, right, right in his prime.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think because it's Small World, because Michael, that was his advisor. And I think Michael told me that it was about DE&I. They had talked about it more deeply, him and uh, Dr. Campbell. It was like, maybe we shouldn't even say this on the pod, but I think what was going on just broadly was that, like, they wanted him to make, you know, certain choices about, you know, we need to hire more diverse candidates or whatever. And I think he was like, we'll hire the best people and that's that, you know, like but we do the best we can and we can think about diversity, but we're not just going to hire black, lesbian, disabled women because they're black, lesbian and disabled. That's ridiculous. He's like, that doesn't make for a good university. It doesn't make for a good experience for students, all that sort of stuff. So,
1: yeah. Well, anyways, we can get off of that, but I did just, to, I don't know if you remember this. I feel like I've asked you before on the podcast, you don't remember, but I was, I was curious about um, you at at MSU. Wow, I just said that like I'm from the Midwest. Uh, At MSU, you had um, something, some comp, I don't know if you were trying, they were trying to recruit people or something, but there was something, and it was right before COVID, like a few weeks before COVID. And I remember we talked about it. I'm like, they're going to do something weird with this. Like, this is a weird industry, like, this is a weird business trying to recruit you and they were trying to discover pandemics before they happened do you remember that oh my god that was so wild and then it was I, like 10 yeah. minutes later covid hit and i was like what yeah what that just was happened? The like that was so thing. the weirdest timing ever we
0: were in it was the students consulting for nonprofits. So there's like these, you know, for people who want to go into consulting in the business school, there were like these consulting student groups or whatever who worked with companies, you know, to like do consulting projects for them while they were students to get experience and whatnot. And so there was one... We had like a couple, like one was like students consulting and it was like for profit businesses. And then you know, they didn't call it that, but it was something else. And then they had one for like nonprofits. And so I was like interested in joining the nonprofit one. And I went to like the first one or two meetings. And then they told me immediately, they were like, okay, so here's a company, like, you know, if you come join the club, like you'd be working with. And that was the mission of the company was like, we're trying to discover the next pandemics before they happen and whatnot. And I just thought, I immediately just quit the club. I was like, I'm sorry. I cannot work on that. Like, that is not for me. We're Do you not, remember we're not wh- supposed to meddle in this. I don't know what this is.
1: <laughs> Do you remember what the CEO or anything about it, the name, anything to where I could, like, look into that now?
0: No, I'll have to find it. I'll have to
1: find it and send it to you. See but... if you can find something on it. Because that I f- what, after the pandemic set it in and so the wild. panic had subsided, I was like what was that thing they wanted him to do? Cause that was so on, like that might've been the best opportunity you could have ever had as far as like a career choice. Because oh clearly God. that yeah. was coming right down the pike, like it this was right the opportunity there. of my life. Yeah, literally, you would have been in Wuhan, China by now. I mean, just yeah. completely fluent in Chinese. I would have been Mandarin. up
0: there right behind Fauci as he was telling us mass work, shaking your work, twelve mass. masks, shaking your yeah. head, yes. yeah. <laughs>
1: not shaking anyone's hands, making sure you put hand sanitizer on before you speak to the crowd because they need to see you put hand sanitizer on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's all. I'm. We're gonna look into that, people. So speaking of conspiracy, hard right-hand turn here. Or should I talk about... um, Let's talk about this for a second. This is really quick. So I was doing some research on aluminum. Don't bother. Why? Um, It's all
0: over the place, apparently. That's what people say. RFK, we talked about it already. But it's, yeah, all in the soil, places it shouldn't be. What's going on? How's it out here?
1: So let me... Click on some tabs here. There is a, here it is. There is an incident you've never heard of called the Camelford Water Pollution Incident, okay? This is, I just was doing research on aluminum in the soil because I garden and I believe chemtrails are bad and real. And I came across this little footnote somewhere and I was like, what is this? And it's called the Camelford Water Pollution Incident. And I'm like, okay, let me sidetrack here. What is this thing? And I'm this is, there's a whole Wikipedia page on it. Like it's not, it's a real thing. And it involved this is from straight from Wikipedia here. The Camelford water pollution incident involved the accidental. I'm gonna give you some big scare quotes, accidental contamination of the drinking water supply to the town of Camelford, Cornwall in July 1988. 20 tons, 20 tons of aluminum sulfate was inadvertently, again, scare quotes, added to the water supply, raising the concentration to 3,000 times the admissible level. Um, so the story— Makes sense.
0: You know, sometimes you accidentally drop 20 tons of something into the water supply.
1: Yeah, you're just like putting it in the water supply. You do it. You do twenty tons of it. I can't imagine that happens quickly. You're just putting it, putting it twenty truckloads like, back up, and, and then you go, "Wait a minute, in. we're putting this in the water," and then you're like, "Oh shit, this is a drinking water." Like I don't know how that mistake <laughs> gets made, but okay. Um, so the I've noticed this. So this is how propaganda works, in my opinion. You get a little bit of truth, a little bit of lie. So they hyped up the part of the truth that was not as interesting, I think. This is back in the 80s, so I don't know. I'm just going off of what you, when you go read about this, this is what you'll come across. It made it really acidic. Okay. The water. The aluminum made the water acidic. Because sulfuric acid. So I start I'm Mm. I'm like, let me, okay, let me give you a little, another little weird thing that I found. For several days, uh, again, right here from Wikipedia, for several days, the water authority insisted that the water was safe and should be mixed with orange juice to disguise the taste of the as-yet-unknown contaminant. Okay. Oh, I so, love that.
0: I love that they're like, the biggest concern is the taste.
1: And not only is it the I... taste, it's to- it's totally safe to drink. Just put orange juice in it. Why not any... Why orange juice? J- you know, like just why not some other soda, thing? Coca-Cola. Whatever. Yeah. Don't drink the water. I don't know. (laughs) Something. So here's, so this is already interesting. So they put this stuff in the water and what happens is, so if you put, um, this particular, uh, particular aluminum in water, it, uh, has a reaction and it, that's where you get this acid from. There's two different major molecules mm. created off of this. One of them is a the sulfuric acid. So the water becomes highly acidic. And then they tell you to put <clears throat> citric, a- orange juice, citric acid into your sulfuric acid water. And that will help <laughs> already. I'm like, this does not make sense. You're telling me the water is highly acidic and you should put orange juice in it right here on the Wikipedia and it's safe. So, I'm like, okay, what happened? What? What? So I start looking, like, what happens? What are these chemicals? What is so uh, yeah. aluminum sulfate? So apparently, everybody knows, you, by the
0: way, that's not how you neutralize things. You have to add something basic, something acidic, to neutralize it. You can't add more acid; it doesn't
1: help. Very true. And it is to test the acidity of water is one of the cheapest and easiest things you could possibly imagine. I have like a thousand pH tests. It's a little tricky to test some things, but water is, it could not be easier. It's a clear liquid. You could do it with a test strip. <laughs> Just dip it in and look at it and what color is it acidic or not? Like, yeah. the, And it's water from the water treatment. So you're saying it's safe to drink. I bet you there's a constant digital display, even in God, the 80s, that, telling you the acid content of the water, how acidic it is. I mean, these are very important factors when you're giving people drinking water. Uh, and one of the most fundamental tests to do, whether you're doing anything, gardening, you test your water. I mean, anything. It's just so easy and so cheap. So that's obviously bullshit. But I have, let me get back to a different page here. So I'm going to, this is bookmarked. I'm going to open another bookmark because there's a little bit of chemistry we could do. Um, so when you take aluminum sulfate and you mix it into water, you get this acid stuff, but you also get, Aluminum, uh, the other byproduct, is still a version of aluminum. It's called aluminum hydroxide. Aluminum hydroxide is a basic inorganic salt that acts by neutralizing hydrochloric acid in gastric secretions. So that's interesting. So you have really acid water <coughs> mixed with aluminum hydroxide, which actually will neutralize a- your stomach acid. That's what hydrochloric acid is. Uh It slowly solubilizes in the stomach and reacts with hydrochloric acid to form aluminum chloride in water. But basically, so you take hydrochloric, or you take the sulfate, aluminum sulfate, put it in water, it converts to aluminum hydroxide. You take the aluminum hydroxide and put it in your stomach and it will slowly create another version of aluminum, like some kind of like chlorine aluminum or whatever. That's not even the interesting part. So I then look up Let me see if I still have this because it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So I look up, I'm like, there's got to be information on this. It took me forever to find it, but I finally came across a fairly reputable site for drug interactions. So, drugs.com, you know, if you have a, if you're like, can I I take Tylenol and Sudafed together? Can I take this or that together? Any interactions? So I look up aluminum hydroxide and I actually, they actually have a reaction for aluminum hydroxide as some, so maybe it's in some medications. I don't know, probably to reduce stomach acid. I don't, you know, and probably some kind of stomach acid thing. Anyway, so aluminum hydroxide and alcohol slash food interactions. The first sentence says, after it says aluminum hydroxide and food, major food interactions. First sentence, citrate or citric acid. Which is the acid in orange juice, can increase the absorption of aluminum hydroxide. Which leads oh what? which leads to elevated blood levels of aluminum. Whoa. So literally they Whoa. dumped what the thousands hell? of tons of aluminum into water in a some other kind of basic form. Oh it converts in the water, makes the water highly acidic. And then converts into hydroxide aluminum. And then the government comes out and says, by the way, chaps, why don't you put some orange juice in that and drink it right up? That'll fix it for you. Which all that did was push the aluminum as a major drug interaction into the bloodstream. Oh, my God. And there's no information on this. And there's dog shit studies. So there's obviously... Scientists will do studies on these, like go study these people and all this stuff. There's not, they're not doing. There's a few like really basic science. Wow, I'm okay. Basic experiments that have been done, but all of them have like methodological problems or too few participants. It's just none, none of it was robust, and that is like the most blatant. I mean, that's what happened to those people. Yeah, literally. And there was a, there was like a study of one patient who had some problems and there were reports of people who were like, we can't think anymore. Like something's wrong. Like I'm tired and I can't, I'm really confused. I get like dementia symptoms basically. And uh, they were like, well, you know, the anecdotes don't really work for science. So they have like one guy and they test his brain tissue or something at some point. He's got aluminum all up in his brain and the frontal lobes. And so there's like all these little kind of shitty experiments that have like some of the other better experiments had like selection bias problems because they were selecting people who had were experiencing for some re- for for unknown reasons cognitive uh, impairments, and so so that was their they were already kind of se- having a selection bias for people with issues. But mm, then so you are not going to see the a thing,
0: treatment effect of the aluminum if everyone well, has they the were, issues.
1: Well, they were studying some other effect that wasn't their sim- The symptom for oh, the oh, they just weren't even. You know what I mean? It. So it was like it was like yeah. only partially. Probably it's just not how you would want to do that experiment. if you yeah. wanted To t- be taken really seriously, but so th- but it's all the but it's like the perfect experiment if you wanted to be able to be like kind of dismissed. Well, it's not emphatic, so my god. So Why it's, does it's crazy. this stuff happen
0: all the time. I mean. What a coincidence that that it was like the health officials urging you. It's safe. Like, why is it that talk about moral hazard? Like, when health officials come out and, like, we something happens that should be a concern, like, well, maybe we should think about, like, what's the effect of this? I love how health official agencies always come out immediately are like, the thing we need to do is assure that everyone is safe. We need to assure that everyone is safe. We don't really know, but we need to assure you that everything is fine. It's all under control. And it turns out it's, it's all, never It's under always control. safety. It's we never said that under last control.
1: podcast. Yeah, and we said that last podcast. It's always, the, it's, like, the main way they do this is to be, like, Oh, it's a safety thing. Like, it's for your safety. Like, whatever we're asking you to do, all you have to know is that we want nothing but the best for you. My God, yeah. Well, this is what
0: happened, too, with the anthrax or whatever. There was that outbreak of anthrax in a factory uh, way back in the day in the 80s, I think. And uh, you can watch a documentary on that. It's horrifying. It is horrifying. The people were coming in to the, like, factory. It was a mailroom. It was a... Postal service like processing facility and the workers were still coming in and there had been anthrax and they were told to keep coming in and then the government officials show up in hazmat suits while the people are literally still working there and it's just it is so terrible it's so terrible because these people got so messed up from this whole incident and it was so sad because the government had told them they were like yeah, it's fine. Like, just keep coming to work. And then themselves showed up in hazmat suits like, we're not going to take a chance with anthrax. And a lot of those people got anthrax poisoning and died and had all these health problems. It was so awful. It was so awful. Yeah. And they knew that. You knew that. We, at that time, we knew that anthrax was a poison. Like, it was a toxin. You should not ever be exposed to it as a human.
1: That's just like the, the aluminum, too. Like, they actually will add crazy shit. to. I mean, but there's infinity studies on aluminum toxicity. And so if you believe what I believe, and I've been trying to figure that really deep dive into this, trying to figure out what type specifically of aluminum they're finding in the soil, because that might go a long way in telling us where the aluminum is coming from. So I was wondering about like, just, just to show how complicated it can be. I found one discussion thingy online where I was like, wait a minute, like, so, what is a Coke can like? That's aluminum, right? Like, why doesn't it? So, aluminum oxidizes super fast. It doesn't like rust the same way that other things rust, but it it oxidizes and creates this. You'll see it sometimes, like on something a metal thing that's got like a weird white powder corrosion on it. That is, I think that's aluminum sulfate or it's aluminum oxide or something. Oh, interesting. It's... So, it's a white powder. And it does that, like, super fast, I guess. But aluminum cans, for example, yeah. And aluminum cans, for example, are aluminum, like, aluminum 3000 series alloy. Like, it's something very specific. And it's, like, lined with plastic on the inside. But the outside doesn't corrode as quickly. You can put it in a cooler and nothing happens. You know what I mean? So there's there's so This is why I wish I knew chemistry because it's, like, it could really matter. But if you buy that they're spraying this shit out into the sky like I do, whether it's trails. aluminum yeah. oxide or it's whatever. Because some of the studies I was coming across was... like I came across one study and they were just doing a test on mouth appliances, like retainers and stuff. And you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. there's like a little glitter embedded in the plastic.
0: Yeah, I have one and of those,
1: a retainer. And so if there's glitter in that, even though it's encapsulated in the epoxy, they tested the saliva... Of people that wore those retainers and the aluminum levels in their saliva are massive, like beyond safety, like they shouldn't be wearing my retainer. It's just wild. It's just so strange. It's only if it's got the glitter in it. Well, who knows about what the plastic is made out of? But if it's got glitter in it, you can't tell it's glitter. Exactly. Even those little flakes of glitter, though, in encapsulated in plastic in your retainer, will actually increase. And they said, or maybe it's even in some of the metal wiring in those things. Like they don't know. But this is crazy. Like this is this what I'm saying? Like even if you want to believe that, like scientists and doctors know stuff. Like honestly, maybe, but they don't. Things aren't done about all the all the true information. It's not like stuff is done about it. Yeah. It because the and some of these people are like they're not they're scientific. Journals are not like conspiracies. They're they they're literally like, like well, <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, we were just checking something and found all this aluminum in these people's mouths, and that's really not good. It's in their mouth, you know, like that goes in their body, it goes it absorbs into their mucosa, it goes into their stomach. I mean, it's just you don't want systematic aluminum. That's well documented. So God. I started trying to figure out basically why. What are the effects of whatever? because okay i have something
0: yeah here so what's yeah what's the problem who cares if you have aluminum in your blood whatever you're going to become iron there, Man. well
1: it mental problems basically is the majority of the issues so mm. it causes like alzheimers and all sorts of stuff so they well we've seen I, a lot I, of that exactly and if you look at the historical incidences of these things it's like out of control like we are so unhealthy and it has happened so quickly. They always try to convince us that science has made these huge strides because, like, we don't have like plagues and stuff anymore. Yes. But oh the my reason God. we don't have plagues, it's not because we're a thousand times better with medicine or we have. It's simple. Our standard of living have changed cleanliness and nutrition. Like, if you if you your immune system is protecting you that is what protects you like that is 100% what protects right. you in fact aluminum will affect you even more if you have a bad kidney function because the kidneys in there are actually detoxing you from aluminum it would be the thing that pulls the aluminum out of your blood if you do have it in there so oh, it's it's even worse for people with kidney problems so that's like so No matter what, like the drugs and antibiotics and all this stuff, always, always, always the main thing that is making you better when you get better is your immune system being better because you are eating so much bacteria and and most of it that you consume is killed by the stomach acid, which is a very potent form of acid. One of the most potent forms of acid known as hydrochloric acid. You could almost digest rocks. I mean, the stuff is really strong. And, right, right. That's just a It'll fact. It'll burn like your you, hands
0: you, if you get it on your
1: hands. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you would throw up. You like it. You literally get a sore throat just from the acid. Yeah. So, the people just have to realize that that's how this works. So, I'm trying to figure out. This is this is my kind of conspiracy for the episode. Is that, and this came from listening to some interesting climate stuff that I heard because i was also wondering simultaneously, like, We've what's going on? on that climate yeah, like, narrative. why is. Why are people, why is there a lot more weight being thrown behind this opposite narrative all of a sudden by like fairly respectable people, scientists, doctors. So there's this guy, one of the guys is like Mark Mills or Dr. Mark Mills. I don't know. And he says, I have just written like some like notes from when I was listening to him because you could listen to him. He pretty, he seems to say the same kind of stuff over and over again. But, uh, the energy transition goal for the next 10 years will require, uh, a 700 to 7,000% increase in mineral mining. Seems Uh, sustainable. So I ask who owns the mining companies. Also, moving from, as far as energy is concerned, from liquid and gases, which is what we use currently, to solids is a very different situation, very different transport methods for the energy, all of that. The energy system envisioned for the future will require the extraction and transport of solid materials in quantities greater than what is used and transported for all other materials for all other purposes. All other materials for all other purposes, including construction, biomass, metals, minerals, etc. For all, more than all of that. So we're going to need a lot
0: of electric cars, and then those electric cars are going to need batteries that we're also going to need to transport. It sounds good.
1: It's going to work really well. So there there is a shortage currently of all metals in the coming years. It takes, by the way, he says, sixteen years.
0: Apple is like, we got to recycle these phones because we got all these minerals in here that we can't keep. That's why
1: they will give you a thousand dollar phone for ten bucks as long as you just give them your old piece of shit phone from two thousand two. Like They want the metals out of those phones, so it takes 16 years to find and open a mine. And on average, they're telling us that our transition to the green new future or whatever is going to be like very Tomorrow. quickly 10 years, 10 years, <laughs> years will be like almost all electric. It's like we won't even have the mines running in 10 years. <laughs> oh my god, okay? yeah, literally. And so, I write, uh, because of this. The tacit impossibility begins to look like a massive money grab. I guess that's my point. Um, I I also added these are just my notes again while I was listening. Uh, much like COVID, there is no real solution, but there is a massive opportunity during the panic and the frantic attention on the matter to capitalize the problem yeah. and make tons of money. Of course. Meanwhile, by the way, all houses that are built, so we have a housing crisis and everything, the price of everything. Well, they're wired with copper wire, and that's going to be yet another massive cost pressure that real estate is going to have to deal with because the price of this stuff is going to go, the of these metals is going to go up unbelievably. Um, it mm-hmm. also makes sense to me of uh, the political and popular pressure to reduce consumption of energy. You know, like we were talking about, we haven't talked about yet, but like the whole walk and just walk and bike and sell your car and use mass transit and live in a 15 minute city. So maybe that's, so they are maybe pushing that on the public so hard because they're anticipating like, this is actually not going to be very easy to do this. And while we're trying to sell you that it's going to be fine with energy, trust us. They do not want to say that in the interim, there's going to be a massive crunch down and clamp down. And they're trying to maybe get behind that beforehand basically saying like hey don't use stuff like just stop using stuff because we got to do other stuff and you're getting in our way being a human okay so metals will go to their most expensive ever up to 1000 percent increase for the longest period of time ever also ever Um we need to buy some metal futures exactly uh, this inflationary effect on the electric machines that the transition is for uh, obviously will occur. So like you need a lot of – well, I think I have some statistics here. Um, I don't know if this is Mark's point, but it's my point probably. Government subsidies uh, will hide this. Oh, I think he did actually make this point. Government subsidies will hide this for some time basically. So your EV right, car they is going to be cheap. Yeah. yeah, they're like, well, the EV car, isn't that much more money? It's like, yeah, because you're the, it's being subsidized. You're not even paying the full price of that car, literally. So it says right. EV... So well, the electric you are, vehicle just co- in a
0: different way, because the government's taxing you, so...
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. We're sharing yeah. the cost of your new stupid car. Um, <laughs> yeah. Electric vehicle's cost of manufacture in terms of metal has already doubled, although, again, hidden... Wow. The input for a classic car, a regular car gas car is less the input for a classic car is less than half of an electric vehicle as far as these materials we're talking about. Um, oh my god of course Also at 60,000 miles uh, is is when a diesel is that's how long you have to drive either a diesel, or an electric vehicle, that's the comparison, It's 60,000 miles in a diesel car is when a diesel becomes less efficient than a, un, th, not just less efficient than a Tesla, less efficient than an unusually small electric vehicle, one with small batteries in it specifically. And by the way, a diesel, wow. which a diesel engines are not the same as gasoline engines, if you don't know this. Diesel engines, if well-maintained, will go for, hundreds of thousands of miles there are peterbilts on the road today that big semi trucks that have a million miles on them like there's oh yeah they're built because they're them.
0: expensive as hell yeah. to drive those things and
1: that's that's one of the reasons they are diesel is because those engines last longer you cannot be buying new trucks constantly um so well it
0: does make you wonder that stuff, you know, they're always pushing this like stuff. And I thought, you know, just like an interesting factoid is like people think like electric cars arrived with the Elon Musk and Tesla, but that's not true. Like electric cars have been tried like decades before. Like people came out. They were out, tried like, at the companies. time of the
1: at the time of the invention of the gas cars, basically. Yeah, so you have this to this wonder,
0: like, why didn't this ever work? You know, like, what was going on? I feel like one of the big reasons it works now is because of this narrative. Like, we were talking about, like, everything's couched in a reality, and a narrative. And, like, we have this whole narrative around, like, we got to save the planet, reduce carbon. I feel like that's why, partly, why they're so appealing, electric cars. But without that, I don't really think they appeal much to people. I mean, the Teslas look nice. They have a cool design and stuff. But uh, they were really expensive when they first launched. So I mean, it's just well, the direct
1: drive that they have is is interesting. It's not like you should never make an electric vehicle. Sure, it's just that they shouldn't be the main vehicle. Like that's for everyone because that's not they're just not good for that. Right, and I think one of the reasons people say that this is the case is because I can't remember the term for it, but there is a word for this. But it has to do with like the energy density or something of gasoline like for weight to right to like right. power that's like trapped in it is so kind of crazy high right ethanol really can't, really can't get beat there. It. yeah yeah you just you have a hard time beating it. and by the way additionally they actually can make cars that will run on either ethanol or the other stuff and Yes, you can make
0: hydroelectric cars and stuff like that. Like, it's really wild. It's just very expensive. And ethanol
1: would be super cheap if we, because that's, so Henry Ford, I don't think was like really uh, happy at the beginning with the Rockefellers, right? I think, because I think Ford's idea was that not only is this, he was like all about affordability. Like, that's why he made the assembly line. Like people, I want the people that work here to be able to afford these cars. I want everyone to have a car. Everyone that has a horse ought to have a car. And I think he was big on the idea that you you could make your own fuel even. You know, like that's how affordable this is, that there's no additional cost here because you could just make corn ethanol, which is not mm-hmm. even great to drink. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't take that much. And so you could literally make your own. And by the way, if people don't know this, but you can take like engine oil and filter it and basically make diesel. like. I know people that literally make their own diesel. They literally just run like different types of oils, hydraulic fluids and stuff through like all these things. And they, you can basically quote unquote, refine it yourself into a diesel fuel. Diesel is like much more oily. It's a kind of a weird, not, it's like not even combustible unless it's under pressure. Like it's a strange fuel. But anyways, I was going to, I have a few more notes on this little talk I listened to. Um, Mm. Most, so a diesel go up to, by the way, hundreds of thousands of miles, of course. Um in a lifetime of the vehicle in most electric vehicles so you have to drive sixty thousand miles in your diesel before the electric vehicle becomes more you know environmentally friendly however most electric another statistic I discovered most electric vehicles have trouble making it past hundred thousand miles so you can easily drive a diesel 300, 400,000 miles you have to buy a new car on an electric vehicle at at a hundred thousand, they most have trouble making it past that before you right. have to do well, all. Don't the they say the re- batteries have them. to
0: be replaced and everything,
1: which is ungodly expensive, from what I understand. Right,
0: right, right. Which so yeah, it's a huge material waste too, as well. Like crazy. Because, yeah, you got to replace all that material.
1: And they could probably take the batteries back and do stuff with them, but you know you, that's a whole other refining process. I mean, you know that's we're just not here. Okay, so you have to mine. This is crazy. You have to mine. Two around two hundred tons of ore to get a single EV. Actually, I think it's a single battery. Two hundred so ten times
0: what they dumped in the water supply.
1: Two hundred tons of aluminum of ore back in that city. Right. So because you have to think. <laughs> so this is crazy. Think about this. You have to mine two hundred tons of ore, truckload after truckload after truckload after truckload out of the earth to make your battery. And that is a ton of ore, one ton per 20 pounds of copper, which is on a 1%. That's They call that a 1% ore grade. Basically, you have to get, to get 20 pounds of copper, which there's a lot more than 20 pounds of copper in an electric vehicle. You have to move a ton, one ton of ore to get that 20 pounds for the one battery. So... This is not to mention, by the way, he also points out, that's not to mention the absolute incredible tonnage of earth and rock that's in the way of the ore that you're trying to get to to mine in the first place. So these oh craters- well, not so these not ever pure, are creating, yeah. Too. It, and and the, there's, a, there's a curve on this. Like so ore, I don't know if it's because of how well, the good they are at finding it basically, that the drop off is like- an upside-down hockey stick. I mean, just immediate, the grade of the ore goes down immediately. So, like, you're very quickly at 1% or worse uh, once oh you start God. these new mines. Well, so, that's so crazy
0: because that's one of the problems that they talk about with oil. They're like, fracking's bad because that's low-grade oil, Like because we have to refine it because it's not pure. But if these other substitutes for the electric vehicles are just like that, then it starts to look like, well, then what's the problem? Now we got to open these mines that take 15 years to open to mine this other thing that also has the same problem that we're talking about with the oil. It's just silly.
1: Yeah. So that's so he says that basically – and the ore grades go are constantly declining. So more energy so, – and by the way, they're not using electric vehicles to do all these mining operations. Of course, of course not. It's like diesel. <laughs> Can you imagine? Massive, yeah. massive, massive – we're talking tires the size of like a two-story tire. You know, like these trucks are huge. And so that's by obviously more energy to extract. So we're spending more and more and more energy to extract less and less metal in an exponential fashion, basically. Or what do they call it? Logarithmic, whatever. It's super fast declining. No. I mean, you're just... Well, I this guess is it is so exponential because the the height, the how much more energy you have to output to get so much more less i mean it's just completely inverse so um like as things get more efficient there's like a principle like the more efficient things get you'd think you know there's this idea that like well we'll get better at it and then the demands will go down he's he in, in or the uh,
0: induced demand
1: yeah so he's like that it never nothing ever has worked that way ever right
0: this is the common misconception about
1: highways. Right. The demand always, always, always goes up. It never goes down just because of efficiency. It always goes up with efficiency. Even though it seems counterintuitive, it just is that way. Right. That's why adding lanes to highways doesn't
0: reduce traffic. It actually induces more demand for driving on the road because it's less trafficked.
1: Right. Yes. So he also, I don't remember why he threw these little factoids in here, but I think he was just kind of drawing some things to like get your wheels turning. Today, Global computing consumes more energy than global aviation industry.
0: Oh, well, there it is. You know, we all suspected it. But these data centers, they take so much energy and it's so crazy. I mean, they're building them in places like Phoenix, too, where it's like literally 110 degrees on average in the summer. And you're like, these things... The big cost is cooling them because they get too hot, and you put them in one of the
1: hottest places on the planet. It's like literally. Oh, he so g- he resonant. goes on to talk about what this AI stuff is going to do. I might actually have a clip of it. It's, it's mind-boggling, on so many. It's going to
0: take so much more compute power, like
1: because that was unbelievable amount of compute problem. power.
0: That's why we didn't have it before. I mean, and this is a point we make because you said, you know, well, they definitely have like realistic-looking CGI movies. And I was like, of course they do. It just probably takes a long time to make them. Like how it takes a long time to make Pixar movies. Like, technology is always kind of like that. Like, usually you can do just about anything. The only limits, really, are, like, cost and time and energy. And so this GPT stuff, like the real problem we couldn't do this before was because the processing took way too long and we wasn't available. But now we've reached the point where really the resources are available. Like you, we have these large data centers that you can do it and you can do it really quickly enough so that you could like materialize the product and commercialize it and whatnot. And so, but that, you know, is a huge increase in consumption. Like what it takes, you know, the amount of like computer transactions or whatever, like uh, energy uh, calculations to, you know, query something online, like run a Google search, is way less than it does to query chat GPT. That's way more calculations that the computer is running, which is way more energy. And so that's also a huge you know, uh, demand suck on energy and whatnot.
1: Yes, now I have a hilarious article that goes along with this. And I think we can all appreciate this. I hope it's in our podcast. Um,
0: Maybe while you're looking at it, I could talk about this real quickly because I don't yeah, want to yeah, go on about it. Well, so you talked about these 15-minute cities. I came across this thing. I went and visited Utah recently, Salt Lake City. It's a interesting place if you've never been. Uh, it's a very beautiful Salt Lake City. The Mormons keep it nice there. But uh, it's near the Salt Lake, the Great Salt Lake, which is a lake made of salt water. It's kind of like the Dead Sea. It's like a landlocked sea that's been evaporating over the years. It used to be much bigger. I think it's only like 30% of what its original size was. And so there's like, you know, it's salinity has increased over the years and it's like the Dead Sea, you know, very, very salty. And because of that, nothing lives in it. Like the only thing that really survives in the Dead Sea is um, brine shrimp, uh, interestingly. And brine shrimp It's got a weird economy. Like, so apparently, brine shrimp farming is very big there in the the sea, the salt lake. Uh, and so, those brine shrimp get sent to places like Taiwan and Thailand and stuff, not Taiwan, but Thailand and Southeast Asia. And uh, they're fed for f- factory fish farming, like shrimp farming and stuff. And then the shrimp gets sold to, uh, it's just weird. It's a whole weird thing. Um, seems completely inefficient, but whatever. So the brine shrimp there makes the whole uh, Salt Lake kind of disgusting. And, like, you think it's going to be nice, and you go down there, and it smells like shit. It smells awful down in the Salt Lake. No one lives down there. It's terrible. Mm. The sand, it doesn't have sand like a normal beach. They call it, like, zoonotic sand, which means that the sand is feces and dead carcasses of brine shrimp. It's fucking disgusting. And so it's awful. How did it get so
1: salty? Was it like pollution that did this?
0: Well, it originally was like an inlet of the ocean. Like it was kind of Mm. like the tides used to be way higher. And so talk about climate change not being real. Like how can we – the climate could never change. But also the tides were so high that this lake was 30% higher. (laughs) I'm like, wow, it's a lot of climate change. But the tides will soon be higher (laughs) than
1: they've ever been before. So, wow, they'll reach all the way into Utah really soon. As long as that's we – unless we dig up the entire planet to find a little bit of copper.
0: Yeah. No, you go to the, like, visitor center, and they show you these maps of what it used to look like, how they've mapped it. And they're like, used to be lakes inland in California, not, like, lakes. Like, so they used to be salt water. And, uh, you know, and there was this big uh, salt lake in Utah. And that's what's left of it today It's just this, you know, tiny little sliver of what it used to be. So, anyway, the whole point, I came across this thing – but the the town's beautiful, the Salt Lake City, but it's not really near the Salt Lake. It's kind of set off. And so there's this Utah Population and Environment Council that I came across. Uh, oh, and
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> they have this whole thing where they want to depopulate Utah. Um, let's go to their mission statement, values, and history. I just love these people. They have this hashtag, Crowded Utah, and I'm like, these people, have you been to other states? Utah is not that populated. Like, Salt Lake City is not a very populous city compared to other cities. Like, if you go to San Francisco, LA, New York, Austin, Texas, Houston, Dallas, these are populated cities. Utah, n- yeah. not that much. So, <laughs> these people think we have a depopulation problem or overpopulation problem that we need to depopulate. They've got another thing coming. But their vision statement is uh, a sustainable, healthy, and happy human population living in harmony with the natural environment. Oh, amazing. Um, and so they uh, their values are reproductive freedom, gender equity, diversity and inclusion, quality of life, uh, thinking globally, acting locally. Mm, interesting uh, talk about that. Uh, and then sustainability and ecological integrity. And so... Uh, what you can do. This is really all I care about. What you can do. They have this whole lifestyle section. Um, And there's a whole white paper about all this where this PhD wrote about like, you know, they used to think that uh, global population growing was always just a a de facto good for the economy and for society. And he's like, I think that we'd actually be better off if we had uh, uh, population decline. And we'd all have more, less competition for resources. And if you don't think about it for a second, you're like, yeah, maybe. Like, less competition for resources, yeah, it makes sense. But having an aging population is just really tough. It's so hard to maintain. Like, because old people become like children. Like, they need to be cared for and taken care of. And uh, it's really difficult when you have more old people than young people. So that's typically why it's not a good thing. But anyways, the lifestyle section here says, what can you do to help us depopulate? Um, and live in harmony with nature. Uh, It says, The coming years hold many challenges. Love these doomsdayers. We can help ourselves, our loved ones, and the earth by making some changes in how we live. Fantastic. These changes are not minor. Great. Love major changes. Uh, And they may seem intimidating. Perfect. But they hold the possibility of every bit as much happiness as our current lifestyles. Good. Love that they have to assure me that that's true because I was worried. Um, it may take time to consider how to transition to a different way of living. Hmm, interesting, okay. Uh, but here are some things to consider. And so they give you five things, family, housing, transportation, food, and recreation. And then they're just sort of like commands, and I love that part of it. That they just command you to do these things. So family, keep your family small. The fewer of us there are to compete for the limited resources of the earth, the better off each of us and the planet will be. And because personal connections and community are essential to happiness, consider what community types you can form that are not family-based." Uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, housing. keep your place of living small. Do not divide your life between two or more homes, unless you're a farmer or have another livelihood that is dependent on living in a rural area. Live in a densely populated area with a small yard or no yard. I just love that. Just live in a densely populated area with no yard. Like, do you think people living in major populated cities in, like, places with no yards are living there because they want to? Because it's just so amazing? Because they're so happy? Like, of course. Of course. Transportation, get rid of your car or get a solar-powered car like we're talking about. This is great. This probably sounds difficult to most of us, but it is the future. I love these people. They just, they know what the future is going to be. It is the future, okay? We know stuff's coming down the pike that you don't know about. It's going to be bad for you if you don't have that solar powered car. Uh, So they say walk, bike, or use public transportation and avoid long trips by living near places where you work, go to school, and shop. So you're going to live in those communities where you live, play, work, love, eat, who knows. 15-minute cities. Um, The last two, food, eat less meat or no meat. Everyone's going to be vegan or vegetarian in the future. Um, Then they say it's possible to get complete protein in your diet by combining grains and legumes. False. Uh, For example, rice and beans. Who has ever gotten a high-protein diet on rice and beans? Corn tortillas and beans. And then I love this one. A peanut butter sandwich on whole-grain bread.
1: (laughs) What the? (laughs) Excuse me. is this all the that same Utah thing you sent me? Yes, yes. Oh, my God. I didn't even see that part. It's wild.
0: And so they say, yeah, you're going to – don't eat meat. You're going to get all your protein from peanut butter sandwiches on whole grain bread. Um, And if you talk to any person who wait they will tell you that that's absolutely insane. It's not how it works. Um, Buy foods that are local, organic, and in season. I like that one. They throw some good things in here uh, but then mix it up with some weird things. Uh. It's good for your family's health and also the health of farm workers and the earth. Um, Great. Okay. Lastly, recreation. I love this one. This is the final one. Take vacations close to home, i.e. don't take vacations. Um, Right. (laughs) Avoid motorized forms of recreation. So don't drive your car. Don't have a jet ski. Don't fly in a plane. None of those things for you. Um, There are many other ways to have fun and build friendships. I love these. I love that they need to remind us of this. Card and other indoor games, ball games, music, hiking, and biking. Happiness is the one thing that does not have limited availability. And... uh, that's what the Utah Population Environment Council has to say for us. That's what we should all be doing. So I'm going to end this podcast, and I am going to immediately buy a lease in a sky rise that has no yard, probably no windows as well. I'm going to get rid of my car, and yeah. I'm not going to take any vacation. I'm not going to go anywhere. And, um, yeah, I'm going to buy local food. Which is probably going to be hard because there's no local food being grown in the densely populated city urban area, but that's okay. Um, that's okay. I'll figure that out.
1: Yeah. And anyway. all of these all of these things to do are in the name of what again? In the name of just reducing population well, or being green?
0: Remember, their mission was to live in harmony with the environment.
1: Oh. Right. But what about the whole and all be the happy. mining for the green tech they need?
0: Well, it, I mean, we also are envisioning a sustainable future that's part of the mission too is that we're going to be sustainable. So So
1: the oh, so the electric future that's really sustainable.
0: Yeah. Right. I don't think oh, they've thought about that part yet, maybe.
1: Well, it's just Utah. Yeah, Who I love cares? their small family
0: stuff too. It's just wild. They talk about like considering having your family and they're like, maybe you don't want to have a family. Have you thought about your career? And I'm like, God, these people are narcissists. Like, have you thought about, like, maybe a kid would be, like, kind of a drag? You know, it kind of sucks to have a child, like, weighing you down, like, taking your money and, like, Ugh. just, like, uh. ruining your career, like, don't you, like, hate that? Like, it's just lame. It's just lame. Like, just get rid of children. Like, just don't. Anyway, well, anyway, okay. I've tiraded a lot, enough about that.
1: No, it's fine. It's good. That's crazy. Now, I mean, it's a great juxtaposition of this sustainable, all these demands to put on the individual for the sustainable future. And then coming right off the back of what we just discussed, how unbelievably not sustainable that future or not even it's not even not that it's not sustainable it's like probably not even achievable not even possible yeah yeah i don't even know if it's even possible so i will say this when i with what you're saying that kind of agenda and what i was researching with this other stuff green and yada yada it really made obvious their obsession with the uh, eugenics that they're into. Like this, we have oh, to reduce yeah. the population. It's like, well, of course you do. Now that it's all been laid out and they want... The eugenicists were having a hard time.
0: They needed to undergo a rebrand. So now they're climate warning warning people. They're climate savers. Yeah, and it's... Green, they used, whatever they, they are.
1: The number that they want is like 500 million or 500,000. The biggest number I've ever heard them say is 1 billion. Is like the max, and so one in you seven to,
0: people. That's what we need. Yeah, six out of seven need to go.
1: Yeah, we need to eliminate six sevenths of the entire. Which, by population. the way, is
0: way worse than the Holocaust. It's way worse. Well, was it's it killing six almost, and seven people it's, dying.
1: It's almost everyone on the planet. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like almost absolutely almost everyone. So like literally there will be like vacant cities empty neighborhoods at that and that you know what I mean like that's just it's crazy it's so crazy that that's even why would you even talk about that but um back to the money grab side of things so there's this Reuters article it's titled US government to end gas powered vehicle purchases by 2035 under Biden's order good uh so i read this whole article I'm like, where's the punchline here? The government owns more than 650,000 vehicles, purchased 50,000 annually, which stopped doing that, by the way. Um, Executive order said that light-duty vehicles acquired by the government will be emissions-free by 2027. Blah, blah, blah. They're going to reduce government emissions by 65%. Uh, by 2030 so that's like just a few years away (laughs) this is good the government will seek to consume electricity only from carbon-free and non-polluting sources what on a net annual basis of 2030? so they're going to get their energy from apparently a technology that doesn't no one's even thought of yet because none of them are non-polluting
0: well, they're going to be using the wind and the solar and the the things that people How are think they going to
1: mine burning? How are they going to mine miles of earth out of the ground without doing pollution? What are they How are they going to use a windmill to do that? I'm just I don't know. Something is confusing me. Okay, so Well, they're going to
0: line that uh, beach with those windmills. Did you hear about that? They're going to like they're putting all these oh, windmills yeah. in the ocean in front of a I beach. I can't it's wait. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. I've got a windmill factoid, too. Okay. So, anyways, you could just skip the rest of this article until the very last sentence. Listen to this is the last sentence. It sits all on its own in its own little paragraph. The 50% target, which is not legally binding. So, why did you just tell me this, first of all? won the support of U.S. and foreign automakers. This is mind-boggling so far. So this whole no-more-gas car companies love it. It won the support of the U.S. and foreign automakers, which said that achieving it would require billions of dollars in government funding. Of course, it's a money grab for them literally it's right there the all so the car makers who make cars that use gas that's their main source of income said yeah get rid of gas cars great now we definitely support that and it's we just need the government to give us yeah. billions of dollars. fuck these people i don't want we have to pay to fund for our that.
0: costs today how about you pay for our costs
1: why am I? Fu- why are taxpayers funding this? Yeah. Why is this where it's the public money reason. goes to pay private corporations? It's to, to literally Megacorps, do the Green New money. Deal. Yeah, it's yeah. literally to do a government program. I mean, it's just I can't handle it. I it's so sucks. crazy. So, God, you said, people
0: work hard for their money. Okay, it sucks oh when people are just taking it without even you knowing about it, it's awful it's literally criminal it should be criminal i feel like it's unbelievable yeah
1: it is unbelievable that's where i end up i'm like i honestly i can't it's so hard to believe all of this is actually really difficult to believe i mean even the mining operations that we currently have it's like to fathom that they're like digging holes in the ground that are like bigger than cities and stuff you know what i mean and like that's what it's that's what it's taking i mean there's electrical wires that that copper wires in your house are not like one roll of copper wires is heavy like it's and there's i mean just uh, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of pounds of copper just in like a neighborhood you know what i mean like just they're they're Digging this shit out of the yeah. ground at massive scale, massive scale. And I'm not even complaining about it. I'm just saying it's, it's even that it's regular crazy. old fact yeah. is just kind of unfathomable, like what we'll do. And that we're trying to build an industry based on that. And there's a guy, that Mark Mills guy is like, just go absorb some of his content. He like He really will disillusion you. From thinking like you, you'll you'll be like what? Like how? You're feeling good. You want to feel bad? Just go listen to this content. It'll really help you. Well, he's not even a doomsday guy. He's just like his thing is like this is not actually possible. Like I'm, he's like this is just how it works. Like this is wake up. Yeah, he's like you want. We're doing these. Okay, here's the policies and the programs. Okay, here's what we do now. Uh, and here is what we'd have to do to do that. You know, if you just look at the raw materials and stuff, he's like, it's just like, probably not possible. Like, I don't know how we would ever do this. And I think he's right. If, if anything he's saying is right, it seems right. Now check this out, I guess. Where do the panels go? I visited this a decade ago in Southern Spain. Where do those panels go? Which are also toxic. Same place as the wind turbine blades. This is 100 wind turbine blades being buried. They're cut into thirds by a giant earth mover. They're inert, but they'll be there forever. So disposing of the blades requires diesel powered, massive vehicles and construction equipment. Okay, got it. We have 40,000 wind turbine blades in Texas now, and they are wearing out. We will bury them. It's a conundrum. The sun and the wind are renewable, but the panels turbines and batteries are not, you're not going to like me. (laughs) There's no renewable energy. It all takes earth resources. We make it and we put it back in the earth. We've got to do it really well. The reality is large scale energy systems have large scale environmental impacts. Humans do. So there's where your wind turbines go. Um, I guess they just just throw them in them. the trash. Oh my just fill them into landfills because what else are you going to do with that useless crap? I don't know why they wear out. They're just the blades, but I guess they wear out. I mean, it's just wild.
0: Um, that seems stupid, yeah. I mean, the circular economy starts to sound like a good idea, but a lot of this just isn't even close to that. Anyway, I uh, I got to go, but do you have any last things? We've been on for a while here.
1: Uh, oh yeah no so that's it i mean more to come i'm kind of this is like the thing they're doing so i think it's it's not gonna stop Yeah. no it's gonna be good i mean there'd be a lot of content to cover and it's it's such like a tired topic but it shouldn't be like i think that's almost by design we've been talking about it for my whole life and it's just now we're like just kind of reaching the place of really intense policy and all these big changes. And I have noticed that a lot of people don't talk about like a lot of just right, like people like us, like just podcasters, they don't talk about it in like a helpful way. Like no one's like, you're not going to hear the news talk about it. You're not, no one's going to talk about it. You know, like these, all these little, all these dots, you know, they connect somewhere. There's a, there is a big picture, not just in the conspiracy of it. all. just like, there's literally like the Mark Mills picture. There's like, this stuff is just, Like, can you explain how you're going to do this? Because I'm this guy who's been in the industry. I kind of know how this works. And then you have to think, too, like at the same time, all these green companies, you know, like Amazon, who ships you boxes full of boxes, full of boxes, full of bubble wrap. And uh, they're green. They're carbon neutral. You know, they have the, the computing, the data centers and all this stuff, which, you know, all those things combined currently before AI Require more energy than all the airplanes on the face of the planet, the whole whole God. global aviation, and that the <sighs> the yeah. the next iteration with AI is so much more intense, and requires so much more earth minerals, so much more precious precious metals, and as it gets more and more companies start doing this, more, and more I mean it's just it's 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 not I mean it's going to be exponential explosion of the energy requirements and material requirements, and that is going to. That is yeah. just antithetical to their messaging. Like they are not green right. companies. They are not saving the planet. That this is none of right. none of it has anything to do with that. It has nothing to do with saving the planet. Not a single thing to do with that. It's all money. And it's we just should like, make
0: that point too. Yeah, a lot of it just has to do with the fact that it's on a global scale. Anything that you did on this scale would have this huge consequences because you're doing it on such a huge scale. Like, which is why I think. You should be an advocate for, like, small, local. Like, it's not even just – like, that's another reason, you know? It's like, well, because if we did things locally, you won't have huge, large-scale impacts of someone doing something a little different or whatever. Like, But the idea that we're going to – every company in the world, every country in the world is going to, like, transition immediately to – this new energy system that's just going to have huge effects because it's a huge scale change. Yeah, I mean, it's and just if we stupid.
1: and if it's impo- if it's an impossibility like these guys, like these other guys are saying, and we try to do it anyways, what are the effects of that going to be? God, you know, who we knows? already that's see that's how we get the, the depopulation prices, and the pricing going out of control for things you can't afford anything. There's going to be, yes. I mean, it's just going to be because we use those metals and stuff for other stuff. And I think COVID was just like a little kind of, if nothing else, it was a test for this kind of thing. So like, what if, you know, kind of testing, what if you told the whole world the same s- sentence at the same time? Like what would happen? You know, like how many people will believe you? How many people will go along with it? You tell everyone in the world to jump all at once. Does the planet explode? You know, let's see. Let's just see. <laughs> okay. And that's, that is the how thing about the- How many earthquakes can we cause? <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, I mean that's what, COVID was really intense in that way. That was my first reaction when it first kicked off. And that's that's your point about it being like, this is when you have to really kind of shake your head and pay attention is when they find a problem that reco- they love to say. You know, this is like such a phrase out of their handbook. It's a global problem needing a global solution. And when you try to involve the entire globe in something, the amount of moving parts and the amount of money, I mean, they're, sh- they're trying to shift the trajectory of the whole planet. That's unbelievable amounts of turmoil that will be caused. Yes.
0: Global problems do not need global solutions. That was the innovation of libertarian Austrian economists was that things like, oh, the tragedy of the commons, pollution, externalities, their solution was, you know, the problem is that no one owns it. Actually, Property rights is the solution. If you make people owners and stewards of those things, they'll take care of them. And the problem is that no one owns them and has any vested interest in them. So the future of own nothing and be happy is the exact opposite of the actual real solution to this sort of problem. It's just absolutely yeah. asinine. It's
1: funny how close RFK was to saying that too. It's, it's so tangentially, I mean, it's almost like just his words in different form, you know, saying, but he's making the point about, just about real our communities. estate yeah and homes. and real estate you know yeah. saying that if you don't own a house you don't have feel vested in the society that you live in and the community that you live in you kind of disconnect associate and then you become a lot more susceptible because you don't even have like a there's no there's just you you're just an atomized individual at the whims of the the world and the way the winds blow whatever direction that is without right. anything no one looking just out for you completely deteriorates yeah so this yeah. is all this is like I mean, I think for nothing else, we've got our finger on the pulse in a weird way, but of kind of the like, mach, mach- people like to say machinations or machinations of like the kind of current in the m- direction of where, oh where things are heading. So that's all I've got to say about that. Yeah, the
0: pulse, it's beating fast. It's a very anxious patient here, this global these tyrants really anxious, really worried about getting this done quick.
1: Yeah. It reminds (laughs) me of that, uh, TV show where you get to download into like the Verizon world or whatever, whatever it is, you know, like you download your consciousness and get to live in this other place. You have to pay a subscription, obviously. But the whole catch is that once you make that transition, you you put the little thing on your head and then you explode, but then you (laughs) get to be in the other place, but you have to explode your other body. So it's like, that's where we're we're about to, it's like the world has got this pulse, it's doing this thing, and it's like, but you might be about to try to do something that kills you. Like, are you going to get in the explosion machine and hope that, like, there's another reality to live in on the other side that you're not even sure exists yet? Because you're acting like you think that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. and just explode this version of society and start the new one. (laughs) And
1: the metaphor is perfect with the whole additional fact that you have to buy a plan. Oh my God. you got to pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, otherwise, you run out of data in this world. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember the movie was, but yeah, or the show, but you like people, like the poor people run out of data and then they got to go to this like gray room and just sit there until like next month. I mean, it's just hilarious. So oh, anyway, Great. Ben's going to go to work. I got to yeah, go fix a go lawn go tractor. Work. We got to depopulate the earth. Got to start working on that. Start <sighs> so working on it or buy... I don't know. Farmland, start something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's the only this alternative. Good. It's over. Goodbye. Good night.
0: Good evening. Good morning. Have fun. All right. It's over. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>